Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Today is all because of who he is. Brother Kenny alluded to it this morning when he talked about how it is a, a true blessing that we're being in this building here today. Many of us thought we would probably be stuck on the church in Struthers forever in the building and not owing what God's plan was. Many of us might have been left in New Hampshire or stuck in South Carolina or various places in our lives. But it's because of God's plan that he has for each and every one of us that we have a hope that can go beyond this point and allow us to see the future that is still to come. I also love the fact that it just seems like there's this continuity between what God is speaking to my heart and what's God speaking through the Thomas's heart as they come up and help lead worship? And how Brother Kenny gets up here and they don't even know what I'm going to preach because I don't highlight it to people. I give a point of where I'm going to go. But they couldn't have known because I didn't finish my sermon up until 4 a.m. this morning. No, I was not up until 4 a.m. I woke up at 4 a.m. and felt that I needed to add more to it. But it's a wonderful point where we see God's love for us and how he aligns things for us to hold on to. The fact that you brought up the monuments that they brought across to be the reminder is something that we need to hold on to as well. Because this whole series, we've kind of started it off with Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, where it says, And the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on the tablets, so he may run who needs it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, and it will not lie. And if it seems slow, which way too often it does, wait for it. It will surely come and it will not delay. And that's one of the hopes that we have for our lives. That when God says something, it will happen. But sometimes it seems so slow. The last few weeks we've been looking and trying to encourage everyone to understand that there is a place of expectation that truly needs to take root in all whom will wait. An expectation and waiting seems contradictory sometimes. I expect something to happen, but in our idea of expectation, in a microwave generation, the waiting is the process that makes it so excruciating in our times. But the fact that we're, we're, we're trying to help people have this expectation as the root of their source of hope in their seasons of waiting, I love it 
that we get to look at the scripture and have this reminder that Habakkuk writes out as God is speaking to him to declare prophecies over Israel. But they also have the ability to speak to our lives here and today. It is this hope that we really can hold on to even deeper, hold on to a little longer because of the way it is written as a declaration for us all. To write something down has an ability to do multiple things in our lives. Coming up as a technology generation, I'm going back and reminding myself of the power of my handwritten notes. It's easy for me to say, hey Siri, uh, go and make me have a reminder for this or that, and it'll say, okay, your wish is my command. Even as she's popping up on my tablet this morning. Okay, your wish is my command, is what she just said. <laughs> Stop, Siri. <laughs> See my point? I grew up in this technology and learning how to handle it. But there's something so unique when you handwrite something and it goes into your mind and it holds over. One of the study techniques that I learned growing up was to write it down and write it down and write it down and write it down. And as I got older, I just decided I would rather type it out, type it out, type it out. But if you know my life and how busy we get sometimes, I forget things that I type out way too often because they are not always in the forefront, but then I write it down and become something in the forefront of my mind. So as Habakkuk is giving this command for Israel, what God is speaking to his people, he is saying it's time to write it out and have it as a reminder for something that will go beyond where we're at. But he also says it with a strategic point. And this strategic point makes sense when I tell you a funny story of my early marriage-ish. You see, when I was uh, married to Melissa, we had two kids at the time. She sent me with a grocery list, a handwritten grocery list, of things to buy at the store. So I I'm walking around. This is when we have cell phones, but Melissa was more likely, still is more likely, not to answer me, but everybody else, she will. Sorry, babe, I love you. But in it, she wrote down this list, and it said eggs, milk, butter, or, or butter and milk, or, or no, it was buttermilk, sausage. And I don't remember what we were making that day. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, well, I see eggs. I see the pancake mix. I see the biscuits. I see the sausage. And then I see buttermilk. And I'm like, what is it that she wants buttermilk for? I know most of you know how to cook. But in our life, in our early marriage, we didn't cook all that well. We cooked very bland. Tacos spaghetti with meat sauce and different things like that so I was looking at the list and I was like okay why is it that it says buttermilk so closely together this seems like a weird thing for her to send me to the store to buy so I I tried to call her and ask her the question of course she doesn't answer my cell phone call so I just say okay I guess she just wants buttermilk 
So I go, pay for it, get home, and the first thing I get is she's opening up the grocery bags. Why on the world's green earth would you buy buttermilk? And I said, well, that's what was on the list. She says, no. I said, look, look at the list. And she looks at it, and the buttermilk's right next to it. She says, honey, you don't realize that what I really wanted was butter and milk, not buttermilk. What am I going to do with buttermilk? No, these are the early conversations of, of learning to become a married couple and communicate clearly in our lives. But Habakkuk really spells it out for us when he says, write it on the tablets and make it plain on the tablets so we would understand. You see, what I, I'm alluding to in the funny story is if she would have put a space or a new line in between it and let me know that this was not one word, but it was two she would have got what she wanted. But sometimes in our lives, as we're eagerly anticipating God's move in our lives, there are some promises he speaks to us and we write it down. And we don't write it down in a way that would make us remember. You see, there are a great many prophecies that were written down in this text. And it was putting down in a clear and concise way, but sometimes we overcomplicate what was written down. Now, I'm not saying that there's not depth to every word that's saying. There is depth in everything that is written in here. That's why this is a living word of God, that I could read this over and over and over again, and it's the Holy Spirit ministers through me, and as I read it and invite him into it, the story unfolds even greater. But it's the fact that, that we have to understand in the waiting process of our lives that there has to be things that take root where we put a, a, a priority on the, the, what we're, we're seeking after and write it down so clearly as the old Geico commercials would say, a caveman can do it. You see, there are things that are promised that you need to write down as a reminder that which was spoken. That way when we get to that threshold of its opening, a crescendo, so to speak, in your life, that you could say, I can remember when God spoke that to me. And I can mark it as a promise that was kept, as a reminder and a hope for everything that we do and have. I think it's also interesting that last week, I preached about Jacob and Leah and Rachel. What I didn't tell you was my original sermon text was, I think, 26 pages long. I shrunk it down to six pages and it still was long. But there's so much depth in there because one of the things that God was speaking to me in this priority was when we write the things down and we take the promises at face value with what God is saying, if we don't keep going back and looking at it, we can have the same recourse that Jacob had. He expected Rachel. He got Leah. Sometimes we go through times of our life where we hear God speak that he's going to do a miraculous miracle. And we expect it to be the miracle. But we get too busy and too distracted and we put aside that, that when it gets to the threshold of opening the proper door, we find the unexpected the thing that we didn't really think that was going to come and that's something that we struggle with in and through our lives but it's also something of a reminder 
Because in our waiting, if we're not looking at the actual promise of what God has spoken, it can get mixed up. What do I mean? Clearly is this. Genesis chapter 29, verse 20 says, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed but a few days to him because he loved her so much. He, he had come up with the agreement with Laban and says, I'm going to work seven years precisely for this. But he didn't read the fine print of what was being spoken, and he ended up with Leah. Why was that so? Because there's a phenomenon in human minds that as we get older and we get into the car, we kind of experience They have a term for it. It's called highway hypnosis. You ever heard of that? Highway hypnosis. And, and what it really alludes to is, is when you are on the road driving, and then somehow you get to your destination, and you do not know how you did that. It's like your mind gets put on this autopilot, and you just don't remember anything. You somehow stopped at the red lights. You went through the green lights. You maneuvered through traffic. But, but there was something in your mind where you're just like, I have no clue. You, you don't realize. There have been many, many of trips that I've been on going into work that I made it there. But my mind has no full recollection of what occurred. And I think that's a struggle within the humanity of the church is that we go through these seasons in our waiting and the anticipation for what God is going to do that this hypnosis takes root because we're waiting for situations to change and we keep waiting and we keep waiting and they don't change and then we're just like, I don't know. And then when it comes here, we're like, I don't even know how it happened. It just did. We're waiting for prayers to be answered. Prayers of lost loved ones to come into the faith and lose their sinful lust and start pursuing after the righteousness of God. But, but there are some times that we get into the habit of where we're praying constantly and we're losing sight of it and we don't even recall the emotions that came forth in it. And even today, we're waiting for this trumpet to sound. Where according to the text, we know that when it goes and in the twinkling in the eye, those that are in the grave asleep will be called up into heaven and those that are the, 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 the faithful will be called up in the rapture of heaven and, and then the great tribulation and the end days will be here. But we're all waiting for that, but, but we've been waiting for that for how many years now and many in the church have in many ways fallen asleep or got put into this hypnotic trance that they're losing the sight of their hope and the desire to keep moving forward. You see, Jacob opened the door because he got put in the hypnotic trance of his own desires. He didn't understand that God might have had a different plan, but he was in this hypnotic trance that his desires were going to come through. But it also brings to the point that we don't want to let our weariness of our life, this life, to overtake us to where we cannot find hope 
and, and cannot find the rooting that we need each and every single day. You see, every day we wake up, every day we have a choice. Let me stress and worry about this and get extremely tired. You don't believe me? I got five daughters. It's easy enough as it is. There are days that I would rather stay in my bed and let my kids fight for themselves and have the children of the corn episode and, and, and hope and play that the Lord of the flies does not cause a catastrophe and my kids will just be gone. At least somebody gets my joke. But there are other days that we get put into this daily grind where it's just the same old, same old, and you're trucking along, and you're losing heart, and you're losing hope, and you're just going, when is God going to move? When is he going to do this? When is this change going to happen? When is this job promotion going to go? When all these things that we, we keep going on, and, and something happens in this railroad of a life as you chug along that you stop looking ahead and start looking down. You know what I'm talking about. Walking on the trail, you're just starting to go, and you first start off, you're going, oh, it's so beautiful out here. Oh, look at the birds, look at the trees, look at the grass. It looks so beautiful, the sun's good. And then after a while, you start getting tired, and the thing that you're doing is going, okay, I just got to go one more step. Watch each foot go forward and forward. You're not looking up, you're not looking to the anything, you're not looking to the beauty of this world, you're just going, I just got to get through this step. Oh, the car's up ahead. I'm going to get to that car. Oh, my back's curtain me. Oh, I'm just going to make sure this foot keeps going. You see, it's in those moments that we get so discouraged because we're getting so weary of the things of this life and they start overtaking us. But that's something that God is trying to tell the church and every single one of us that it should not be this at all. He's trying to tell us to hold on a little longer every single day and are waiting for him to move and do the miraculous. He's, he's trying to remind us that we can hold on a little longer if we just keep our eyes and our ears on the hope of the one that's been pursuing after us. You see, the waiting is the struggle. It's the hardship of the things of this life that God has designed us all for. Because we don't fully encapsulate the understanding of what time is. I think that's why we relate so well to the early church. Because it had the same patterns rooted within it. If you don't believe me, look at the Garden of Gethsemane where, where, where he took up, Jesus took up three of the disciples with him. And he went up a little bit further and he said, hey guys, you wait right here. Pray with me, but I'm going to go a little bit further ahead and pray by myself. But stay here, pray with me. And what does the scripture tell us? They fell asleep. Came down the first time, he wakes them up and says, can you not stay awake for five minutes? I know it might be late, I know you might be tired, I know this might not be ideal. And he goes back up and prays after he wakes them up and they fall back asleep again. And, and, and it's just the story of our lives. Because something within us hates waiting. I'll be honest, I'm right there with you. I go out to a store with Melissa and she's walking around shopping and I'm just like, I don't want to watch this. 
you're going to go walk around, look at every single article of clothing out here. I'm just going to go find a recliner over here in the mall and just sit down. And if you find something, let me know. I'll come in and I'll give you the credit card. But the rest of it, I'm sitting right here sleeping on the couch. I could be active in her life, walking along saying, oh, honey, that looks good. Probably should be doing that. But it's the waiting of the process of going through the meticulousness of, does this look, make me look fat? Does this color match my eyes? Does this make my hair look this color? What is it? And I'm like, honey, I don't care. You could dress like a caveman and I'll still love you. If you dress like, like, like the Flintstone characters, I'd still love you. These clothes are not what it is. But we treat our relationship with God the same way sometimes. We treat him this way sometimes because of our own struggles, because of our own misunderstandings, because we are not looking to our hope, but we're looking to our situations. But there's a reminder that we have to keep going, keep moving, keep holding on, even in the face of adversity. That's why even in the beginning of the church, we see the characters that are written in the text, these truthful, full, living, completely truthful characters. Peter, James, John, and all of them getting called, and, and according to the scripture in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, and it said this, and while he was staying with them, he ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That text always gets me. Because it's this moment that Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, you got to wait a little longer. You waited for, oh, how many years for me to show up? You waited how many years with the hope and thought that I was going to overthrow Rome and make your guys' lives easy? You waited how long for me to transform the situation you thought was going to happen? But get ready. You get to go over here and wait in Jerusalem where everybody that knows that you're my disciple wants to get you. Where they want to hurt you, where they want to beat you, where they want to just basically throw you down and call you a worthless sack of dog because they don't believe that I am the Messiah. You're going to go over there and wait. And I'm going to put in a little stipulation on there. You cannot go anywhere else. You cannot depart from there. You cannot get away from it. You have to endure. But I'm holding on to the word where it says, do not become weary in the things of doing good. Keep holding strong each and every single day of your life as God is seeking to move. You see, Jacob grew tired and weary, which allowed for the anticipation of the wedding night to become not what he was promised. The same is true for the disciples. If they wouldn't have listened to Jesus and telling them to stay in the same place in their discomfort and the fear of the destruction on their lives. But the weariness of waiting and the fear of the unknown is what Jesus was trying to get their attention. 
what he's trying to get the attention in our lives as we read the text as the reminder that we have to get to a place where we will stand our ground and wait and not leave. We don't do that often in the churches anymore. That clock right there dictates way too much of what we do. I mean, I've sat through church services where it's three hours long, where the guy's preaching and my butt's going numb. And I'm like, please, can we just stand up and do some calisthenics? And then he goes, can we just stand up and praise the Lord? And I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, my back feels so much better. But he's preaching such a good word. I don't want to leave. Have we ever had those moments in our life where we go through and we just take the clock and throw it away and say, God, I don't care what you're going to do, I'm going to stand. Not growing weary. Even though I might ache, even though I might hurt, even though it might not seem like it's conducive for what I want to experience, I'm going to wait for you. It's those moments that we struggle with because we lose heart so quickly. But we have to hold on when Jesus is telling us to trust me in the waiting. Trust me in what I command you. Trust me in what I'm calling you to do. Because when we listen to Jesus, what we really understand is, is we're not fighting against something different or contrary to what the disciples' time did. We're still fighting against the same spiritual principalities that they were. The same demons are still running the world. Same demons are still getting into people. Same demon is still causing all this chaos and havoc in this world. Why do we think it's something different? It's not. The devil can create nothing. He can only twist the truth. And he twists the truth through his followers that had left heaven and thought that they could be like God. And it's the same thing that we fight with. But if Jesus is telling you to stand your ground, you stand your ground. We're also still fighting the same emotions that want to lead us every single day. The same emotions that says, oh, I'm too tired. I can't get up this morning. The same emotions that says, oh, they hate me. I don't want to go around people I hate. I'm so worried what they're going to think. They think I look ugly. They think I'm stupid. The same emotions that say I can't get up because I'm too sorrowful. This life is just too hard. It's the same thing that we keep fighting that drives us, that keeps us walking when we're told to stop. You see, the thing we have to hold on to is what our heart is waiting to be rooted in. And what our heart is waiting to be rooted in is the heart is waiting for whom you love. Wish I would have had this last week. Valentine's Day, right? All the little kissy faces come on Wednesday and you're just like, oh, I love you, babe, and all this other stuff. But I think it's so funny that I get to preach it afterwards because I get to talk about the ramifications of what occurs on Valentine's Day. You see, on Valentine's Day, you see what waiting looks like. You waited to get a card as all the masses are going, oh, if I don't get my wife a card, I'm going to be in deep doo-doo. 
So they sit there and they go, mm, which one should I get? I should get this card. Oh, no, no. If I get her this card, it's going to, and, and, and you know what I'm getting at. It's when the people are sitting around waiting and waiting and you're just like, can you just get out of the way so I can get one card? And then you wait. Sometimes you wait because you wait till last minute to give it just five minutes later. Some of us do it a week ahead of time. You wait and you wait to give it to the one whom you love. Better yet, you come Valentine's Day, you wait for the flowers that you ordered the week before to get delivered to their office place. And you're like, oh, I'm waiting for that phone call of saying, oh, thank you, honey, for giving me this. Or if you're smart, you would have went to the restaurant the day before or the day after because if you were not that smart, like so many people in this world who say, oh, I love you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes, honey. I'm going to go to the restaurant and we're going to wait three hours at Olive Garden before we get our seat and have to wait another two hours for them to get the pasta cooked. But I do it because I love you. You see what I'm saying? Those that, that, that we would want to wait on are the ones which we love. And it's so true and it's so evident at Valentine's Day. But it, it's something that has to take root in each and every one of our lives. Because we can't simply go normally through what we would not like to do. Which is to say, honey, I love you. I tell you I love you every single day, but for some reason this day, apart from every other day, is a day that I get to declare my love even more boldly for you. I'll be honest, I'm not a Hallmark holiday person. Oh, at least I got one amen. Valentine's Day is not my favorite holiday in the world because it puts a deadline on me saying, oh honey, look how big I love you. And I'm just like, I love you every day. Why would I want to show it every day differently? But what I, I find so interesting is, is that on that day, we see so many determined people willing to wait. Willing to wait through so much to prove their point. To say, honey, if I didn't love you this much, I wouldn't do this. Or, honey, if I didn't love you this much, I wouldn't have went out and tried to buy you clothing. Or, if, honey, if I didn't love you this much, I wouldn't have got you flowers. Or, I wouldn't have waited for this, this horrible restaurant food because the food is all half-cooked and everything else. But I love you. But the fact that I want to kind of bring back to is, is that our spiritual desire of waiting, we don't see a date on it because we've gotten tired of the waiting and it's become bland like my old diet. It's become this place where we struggle even in the churches today because our first love isn't whom it should be. Our first love is not who it should be. You do realize scripture says we can know if you're a follower of Jesus by signs that happen within you because of your pursuit for him. No, it's not your tithe records. No, it's not your attendance records. It's not even the car you drive. 
says we'll know you by the fruit that you have and the love that you have for others because of the time you spend with God. Because if you have a heart for God, your heart will be all in. Jesus told the disciples to wait for those to have their heart that would be grasping for Jesus and everything that they have. And that's one of the things that Jesus showed us in our lives. Everywhere he went and did ministry, he told people to wait. Well, he went and saw a father. Or he went and prayed. Where he went and spent his time to connect with the source that he needed because he knew that the waiting, one, would produce something in our lives. But he also showed us that in the waiting to connect with God would grow fruit in us all. You see, that's a struggle that we have. Because we don't like waiting, because we don't like staying in the same place, because we don't like being like the church used to be. We want to be something different because the world's going so fast-paced, we just would want to rather keep up with that. And we've lost heart of where we need to go. But I think it's funny that the wisest man to ever live on the world, according to the word, King Solomon, wrote this great proverb that proves the point that we need to have. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting by my doors. Solomon knew that the gate of the king was where the hope often came from, where a lot of the resources and people's time of sorrow and struggle, where they could wait for the Lord and they would find something to come through. It is in this season of our lives and our waiting that God, I truly believe, today is trying to tell us that our hearts should be the one, or should be on the one that gives us all. Because God loves you so much that he gave you your life today. God loves you so much that he's still moving in and through our world. So many of us think that the world has got no God in it anymore. They think that he's silent and that he's not moving. If you want me to tell you something even more interesting, when I was interviewing for several other pastors' positions, one stark thing stuck out to me. Because I know in my private time, in my prayer time, in my fasting time, as I'm seeking the face of God, He still speaks. But one of these interviews I was going through, they said, I don't know what it is about you, but you still believe that God still speaks today. And I'm, I was dumbfounded in that thought because I can't think of a world, if God is not speaking, then what's the point? If God is still not moving, what is the point? But God loves us so much that he's still moving and still speaking to us and leading us and showing us his love even greater every single day because his pursuit is to try to awaken us up. So that we could hold on to the hope that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. 
that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but shall have this word that Brother Kenny talked about this morning, eternal life, everlasting life. That fact that when this life is but a memory, we're still with him and it will never stop. It's that love that God has that is showing us that he's still moving to fulfill his promise today. That is why he told his disciples not to leave, but to wait. That is why today the church is being told not to walk away, but to look for their only hope. And to look up to that hope from which our help comes from. The struggle today is that all of us, in fact, are going and growing weary in our lives. A lot of times it's because we're losing heart for the promise that God has spoken over our lives. The promise that God has spoken over our lives. Can I just tell you, he's still moving. The things that God is speaking to me about this church and each and every one of you is to see a revival come through these doors. And it's going to be coming through each and every one of you. And I know most of you have heard those words over and over again, and you've said it's never going to happen. I've not seen it. But can I just tell you, if the door is starting to knock and you open it up, the promises will come forth. And if you don't have it wrote down clear enough and bold enough, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Because what you also have to understand is that waiting isn't a one-sided process. What do you mean? You mean that there's two sides to a waiting? Yeah. There was two sides when I told my wife, hey honey, I want to marry you. Will you marry me? And she says, yeah. And then we both work together in our waiting to become one flesh. The same is true in the promises of what God is speaking in our lives. We are waiting for that trumpet at any moment. We are waiting for that revival. We are waiting for our lost loved ones to come into the fold. We are waiting for for miracles and salvations. We are waiting for awesome and miraculous things to occur. But God's also waiting for something from us. What? God's waiting for us? But I've been over here waiting for how many years? I've been waiting for the proper time for God to do it. And he's not done it yet. But isn't it funny that God is waiting for his perfect timing? He's waiting for the right pursuit of his followers to awaken this truth and he's waiting for the right heart of his followers to be inclined towards him to bring forth that promise you see we often think that the waiting game is all on us but what god is trying to do is get his chest piece in in place for the perfect checkmate you don't get it 
See, I remember the reading in the text in the book of Exodus how the perfect checkmate was coming into play as as the people in Exodus chapter 2 starts crying out to God and there was a a promise that God was writing to each and every one of us when he says, during those many days, the king of Egypt had died and the people of Israel groaned because of the slavery and they cried out, help us. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groanings. And God remembered the covenant that he had made with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and he knew, and knew God. You see, what I need you to understand is, is that there has got to be a point in our lives where we're pursuing God with everything we have, where we're realizing that he's waiting for us to waken up our own lives and our own souls and our own everything and saying, God, I've had it. I've had it with the struggles that I've had. I've had it with the addictions. I've, I've had it with this, this struggle in my marriage. I've had it with my kids who are completely disobedient. I've had it with my workplace. I've had it with everything, and I'm done with it, and I'm fed up. I'm going to get into the right posture. Because, God, what I need to do is get on my knees and pray and ask that your perfect timing comes my way. And God, as I get on my knees, my heart's becoming inclined to you in my pursuit for not my purpose, but for yours. And it was in those moments that God moves. Can I tell you, God is waiting for us today to get into that proper form of worship, that proper posture of prayer, that, po- pro- that proper pursuit that that proper or proper heart that's what we have to understand today the truth is for us to understand that what they were going through in the book of exodus as they were dealing with the bondage of slavery and everything else god was still writing the story and trying to make it clear for them and the promises that he spoke to abraham that you will be a father of many nations And that Jacob's sons would be the foretold of it. You see, what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is that why Habakkuk wrote the words that we need to take hold of more and more every single day to write down so you can remember and hold stronger to God, to trust that he is moving, and then you'll remember that he loves you. And that's why you are here today. He sets you here in the proper place in the proper time, to hear the proper word, to hear the fact that he loves you. That's why he is still holding on to the promise that you're waiting for. He loves you. That's why he sent Jesus to open the doors so you can have the proper heart of worship. And he loves you, and that's why he is waiting for you to love him back too. He loves you. And that is why he is even waiting to help you today with the struggles that you're going through. And that's why we still have the promise this morning. If you'll stand with me. The promise that we can hold on to. It's a promise spoken over Israel. 
but it's a promise over you about growing weary in your waiting. It comes from the great prophet Isaiah when he wrote the words that God was speaking to his people and he says, they who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. See, that's what we need to start looking towards is that our hope is from God. The heart of our obedience is to God. And it's in the seasons of waiting that we learn that resilience to hold heartily, hold on to him in everything that we have. So that way we can hold on to that promise that he says that when we do get tired, we can renew our strength in him. There are going to be days that you're not going to want to, but you have to. There are going to be days that you may not want to get up and do life and go and read your word and, and, and go and pray to the Father, but you need and have to. There are going to be days that you're going to get weary enough that you don't think you can make it through. But if you connect with him, he'll help you through. Just like he's helping Brother Marcus and Sister Lenore. All of those that were affected by Belinda's passing because we prayed earnestly we prayed that God would do the miracle and he did the miracle just not the way we wanted he's still doing the miracle in our lives so many times over and over again he's still moving he's still speaking and he's still telling us I'll lift you right back up there's a reason why one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is this though we might fall his righteous right hand always lifts us back up because that's what the Father does. He doesn't want to keep you down. He wants you to grow stronger every day. That's what the waiting's for. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this, those that are here in the church house, Lord. And I thank you for those that are watching on our live stream or listening later on the podcast. But God, I ask that you speak a truth in our hearts, Lord, that awaken up something that when we get discouraged in these seasons of waiting, that we don't stop looking to you, but that we look to where our help comes from, where we know that you'll renew our strength, that you'll lift us up, Lord, so that our feet, even though they might get weary and tired, will get rest. And even though we might have to walk, we will not be faint in it at all, but we will keep going, Lord, not looking down, but looking up. God, remind us every single day of our hope. Strengthen us in all that we do. Be with us, God, and guide us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Church, I love you all. Before you depart, let me go through the announcement real before you get running out of here. It's a little out of whack this morning. But you know what? Everything's okay if it's out of whack. Can I get an agreement? I want to remind you all that we have prayer time in the church at noon on Wednesdays. So come and join us if you're able. If not, please pray with us at noon on Wednesdays right where you're at. We also have our midweek service at 6 p.m. And then this week we also have our Joshua Cares Food Bank from 9 to noon. Just also want to remind you all that this Saturday we have our Men of Faith and Women of Worth's first meeting from 5 to 7. We're asking that you bring a soup that you love and a recipe to share. 
And then also, Sister Amy put this out there. If you would like to sing in our Easter choir this, sun, this uh, Easter, the 31st of March, please sign up. If you have any questions, look to her. And then lastly, we want you to mark your calendars for March 16th, where we are going to go through and try to love on the church building and get it ready for the spring. Doing the bushes, doing the, the little bit of time, any spring cleaning inside as we see what God is going to do, because I believe we're getting ready to see something great happen. And if you agree with me, just say amen. amen. But anyway, we love you all. We look forward to seeing you as soon as possible. But if that has to be until next Sunday, be blessed. But go and love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And go love your neighbor as yourself. Go be the church. We love you all.